0: Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener.
1: Welcome back to At Your Service, Brad Young. And this evening for another hour, would love to hear from you. We've gotten a lot of text messages tonight. We've gotten so many here, I can't even read them. And frankly, and to be bluntly honest, some of them... Uh, I can't read on the air, uh, dealing with uh, whether or not the Wreckers may have another child in the near future. So uh, keep those texts coming, 314-436-7900, or if you'd like to call in this evening, what's on your mind? Love to hear from you. Never expect everyone to agree with me. It's my job, though, if you call in to disagree It's always my job to, uh, you know, convince you to see things my way. 314-436-7900. A couple of things we are going to get to this evening, but uh, today's May the 4th, which, you know, Mike Anderson always loves to tease me about being a Star Trek fan. And May the 4th is a Star Wars reference. So if you want to really make your nerd friends mad, reference something about Star Trek on Star Wars day and listen there have been fights to the death that have broken out over less now mike you're shaking your head why why are you shaking your head over that i just want people to call in with their chewbacca impressions Chew- <laughs> can can you do a chewbacca impression nope Oh, can you give us a, a hint? Let's hear to, yours. No, 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 no. Okay, you, you, I can't do it either. So now we understand each but, other. But you've got a beard. I mean, you know, you're like a, a week away not shaving to look like looking like Chewbacca. Ouch. I mean, you've got a good manly beard going on there. Thank you. And so uh, I wish I could grow that kind of hair on the top of my head. I wish I was as tall as Chewbacca. Well, that would be, that would be good. Um, and I never understood how... Han Solo could understand him because it all sounded like uh, just groaning to me. I never got that. But anyway, if you want to make a nerd really angry, then say something about Star Trek on Star Wars Day and... And listen, uh, you know, somebody, they could break their nerd glasses in a fight if you mention that. So it's Star Wars Day. Happy Star Wars Day. Even though I'm a Star Trek fan, I can, you know, I can, it's like, it's like the Cardinals and the Cubs. I can acknowledge you, but I just can't get into it because I'm a Star Trek fan. In any event, happy Star Wars Day. The other thing uh, that I would like to hear from you on is this. Tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo. And every year, in fact, I made the joke this morning, and my wife said, still not funny. I said uh, something about, hey, you know, tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo, but it's on it's on May 5th this year. And, of course, my wife said, Brad, still not funny. It wasn't funny last year, and it wasn't funny 20 years ago, and it wasn't funny every year since. So uh, <laughs> I still, you know, it's, it's a dad joke, so I make the joke every single year. But where in the greater St. Louis area would you recommend that that I go to tomorrow night for Cinco de Mayo having a dinner enjoying a night out with the wife where would you recommend that I go 314-436-7900 I mean I've got my favorite restaurant I went to one just tonight in fact I was there tonight polishing off my second uh, basket of chips uh, when I found out that the Cardinals game was uh, called due to rain so uh, but if you've got a place that that you can share with all of St. Louis with 50,000 red hot watts, here's your chance to let us know where to go on Cinco de Mayo, 314 436 7900. And it's interesting, I've got Chewbacca that's holding on line one. Hey, Chewbacca, welcome to Camo X. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Now, do do I ask for an interpretation of that? I don't know. What what does that mean? Oh, he's gone. Chewbacca's gone. I guess that was uh, some sort of a subspace communication uh, from the outer rim, I guess, is where that came from. But I I don't know. I hope Mike, producer Mike, I hope he didn't say anything um, that was a curse word. In the Chewbacca language. I don't think so. He said him and Han were just in town to ride the wheel, and they caught the show, and now they're heading back out. Cool. Very good. Very good. So I'm glad we could celebrate uh, Star Wars Day with uh, Chewbacca calling in this evening. (laughs) When when we come back from this break, though, again, I want to hear from you on a place to go for Cinco de Mayo. Also, breaking news that just... Uh, within the last hour or so, Derek Chauvin's attorney has filed uh, his motion for a new trial, and we're going to break down one of the reasons. I don't know because that that has not been publicly released yet in terms of why he's requesting a new trial, but I've got one basis uh, based upon new information that just came out over the last few days that may give Derek Chauvin grounds For a complete reversal of that conviction and a retrial. Brad Young at your service, 314 436 7900 on Camo X. Don't go away. Next Level Listening. News Radio,
2: 1120 AM, 98.7 FM. KMOX. The voice of St.
1: Louis. At your service on KMOX, Brad Young, in this evening till 11 o'clock. Thanks for staying up late with us tonight. Lots of text messages. Thank you very much. Thank you for the uh, the folks who've been texting in, asking if I'm going to be uh, taking over Overnight America. Thank you for those. Appreciate those texts. And uh, if you've got some comments on the show or frankly, comments on anything. I try to read uh, most of the ones that are airworthy uh, that won't get me kicked off by the FCC. You can text us or call 314-436-7900. One of the things that, uh, other things that happened in the news today was that uh, Derek Chauvin's attorney filed a motion for a new trial up in Minneapolis. Now, uh, i previously been on uh, with Camel talking about the two main reasons why I think that uh, the Derek Chauvin case has, uh, I'm not going to say a guarantee. There are never guarantees when when it comes to legal proceedings ever, but he has two legitimate uh, basises for filing an appeal of his conviction. And the first that I've previously talked about was a failure of a change of venue. In other words, Whenever there's a jury uh, case in a criminal case in an area where there is heightened emotional impact for the community that could possibly taint the jury against the defendant, the judge has a duty and a responsibility to move that trial to a different venue, a different city, a different location in order to ensure that the defendant gets a fair trial. So in this case, obviously, Minneapolis was a hotbed of George Floyd protests, of George Floyd emotional overlay, and uh, the defense team requested a change of venue to move the case to a different city in, in Minnesota, and the judge denied that. I think that's a legitimate element for an appeal. Secondly, and it's closely related to the first, is that if the judge in that case, decided not to move or change the venue. Then the question becomes, should the judge have sequestered the jury? In other words, to keep them, put them in a hotel, take away their cell phones, not let them watch TV so that they would not be overly influenced by the media coverage. And it wasn't even just the media coverage. I mean, this case, this Derek Chauvin, George Floyd case, it went beyond the news. It was on all social media. It was on entertainment. You couldn't watch The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon without hearing information about the Derek Chauvin trial. You couldn't. You couldn't watch any late-night talk show without hearing it. So it wasn't just limited to the news. But the judge decided to not sequester the jury even after the judge declined the motion to change venue. So we also in that mix, we had the the uh, the Dante Wright situation where he was shot by a police officer. And, uh, you know, there was initially coverage that he was pulled over because he had a air freshener dangling from the rearview mirror, which wasn't the reason at all why he was pulled over. Uh, But in any event, there was that emotional overlay, which all of the jury members had access to that information because the judge refused to sequester the jury. So both of those are legitimate reasons for an appeal. However, to this, just this week, actually, there was some new news that broke that I find fascinating because it could add yet another element to how Derek Chauvin could get a new trial with regard to the conviction of his murder of George Floyd. In particular, and you may have seen this story But one of the jury members, we didn't know the names of any of the jury members until, of course, after the case was over. But one of the jurors, his name was Brandon Mitchell. During the trial, he was known as Juror 52. And this week, and this is the amazing power of the Internet, because he told the judge during what's called voidire, that's the process where the attorney's question jury members to make sure that they don't have any preconceived biases that would prevent them from giving uh, a fair assessment of the evidence on whether to convict or to acquit the, the criminal defendant. So Brandon Mitchell, juror number 52, was asked a lot of questions. We don't know exactly, but but it's been recorded, and that will be the subject, I think, of an eventual appeal But all of the potential jury pool members were asked questions about whether they had made any preconceived judgments about the guilt or innocence of Derek Chauvin or about their participation in Black Lives Matter protests. And Brandon Mitchell, apparently, because, again, these transcripts have not yet been released yet, apparently got through that process by stating he hadn't made any preconceived uh, notions, he hadn't. Judged in his mind whether Derek Chauvin was guilty or innocent and had nothing that would prevent him from fairly weighing the evidence. Well, you know, God bless the Internet, because what's happened is, is that just this week, information came out. In fact, I'm looking at a photograph right now of Brandon Mitchell. The date of the social media post is August 31, 2020, which was after George Floyd died. But long before the case went to the trial and before Brandon Mitchell was ever even a potential jury member or in the juror pool at all. And here's this picture, and he's wearing a shirt. Actually, he's wearing a hat that says Black Lives Matter. And he's wearing a shirt that says, get your knee off our necks, BLM. So then the question becomes, did Brandon Mitchell lie? when he was questioned during the Voidire process and presumably was asked extensive questions by both attorneys about whether he had ever participated in any Black Lives Matter protests. In fact, he even admitted in an interview this week that he was asked about this during the Voidire, and he said that he had never been to a Black Lives Matter rally. And yet here we have a social media post that shows and talks about him Being at a Black Lives Matter rally, wearing a Black Lives Matter hat and wearing a shirt that says, get your knee off our necks. And so if that's the case, if, and again, I'm speculating, but in the event he was specifically asked during Voidire whether he had ever been at a Black Lives Matter rally, he would have had to have answered no, because if he would have answered yes, either The defense attorney would have stricken him from the jury pool or the judge would have stricken him from the jury pool based upon him being a biased jury member. So the question becomes, if he lied about that, is that the basis to file an appeal? And the answer is absolutely yes. Now, is that enough in of itself for an appellate court to overturn the conviction and send it back to another jury? I don't know. That would be up to the appellate court in Minnesota. Not licensed there, can't speculate on that. But I can tell you, without any, without any hesitation of any kind, that that is a basis for an appeal. Also, if he uh, uh, if he was ever asked if he had a any preconceived ideas about the guilt or innocence of Derek Chauvin, he would have had to have said, undoubtedly, during the voir process. That he had not made up his mind, that he had not reached any conclusions. But if there's a photograph of him on August 31 wearing a Black Lives Matter hat, which again, I'm looking at the photograph right now, and wearing a shirt that says, Get your knee off our necks, that tends to think, or that tends to suggest, rather, that he had already made up his mind regarding the guilt of Derek Chauvin. And if that's the case, in other words, if that photograph demonstrates that he had already, in his mind, decided upon the guilt or innocence of Derek Chauvin before the trial, and he lied about that during the questioning process, that, too, would be a basis for an appeal. So, according to my count, and I'm no math genius, but I think that we have at least three substantive, major, important bases for Derek Chauvin to file an appeal of his conviction. Now, I'm not standing here telling you that Derek Chauvin is guilty. I'm not standing here telling you that he's innocent. A jury decided that he was guilty, and that's our process. But our process also is that, that all defendants, even if it's Derek Chauvin, even if it's a white police officer in today's culture, all defendants, whether they're black or white or any color, They all deserve a fair trial. Everyone deserves a fair trial, even Derek Chauvin. And if someone were to suggest that Derek Chauvin is not entitled to a fair trial, in other words, let's give him a fair trial and then we'll hang him. If that's the perspective, folks, that is un-American. That is un-American. That is not patriotic and that is un-American. And so uh, he is entitled to that appeal and an appellate court will have to decide whether or not he received a fair trial in light of this evidence i question whether he did receive a fair trial uh, and i think that he was convicted based upon a video and even a lot of those jury members probably probably already had preconceived notions and ideas about his guilt before they ever walked in to that courtroom 314 436 7900 Calls or texts. Would love to hear from you this evening, Brad Young at your service on X. Don't go away.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT and T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today you are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 1015, sponsored by Bath Fitter, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX.
1: Brad Young at your service tonight here on KMOX Thanks for staying up late with us after the postponed game, which I believe will be uh, replayed uh, tomorrow. Not replayed, but played tomorrow in a doubleheader. Uh, so you're going to want to tune in for that. In any event, I'll be with you till 11 o'clock this evening. And uh, phone lines are open. Text line is open. 314-436-70900. Barbara's got something on her mind. Hey, Barbara, welcome to Camel Wax. Yes.
2: Uh, Brad Young, you're a great lawyer. But what I was going to ask is, he has this police officer has a court-appointed uh, lawyer, and I was wondering if you do any law outside of the uh, corporate law.
1: Well, I, I appreciate the question and the compliment. I uh, I do not do uh, criminal law at all. Uh, the only criminal law that I do is uh, when my clients get speeding tickets. Uh, that's about the extent of the criminal law that I practice uh, because uh, that is a specialty. And and pretty much these days, most attorneys fall into the category of specialization because it takes you really have to concentrate on a certain area to develop a level of expertise. So you're right, Barbara. Uh, Derek Chauvin had a court appointed attorney. I, I'm not in a position to comment on whether the court-appointed attorney for Derek Chauvin did a good job or a bad job. I can tell you that with that video and the evidence presented by the, the chief of police and the medical examiner, that would have been a tough case for anyone to defend, don't you think?
2: Yes, it would be. And I was wondering if you were going to be on Overnight American Stay With It and, you know, they- I be a representative of overnight America
1: <laughs> well I'll tell you what I'm gonna be there's gonna be several hosts rotating in and out of of the overnight America slot I will certainly be one of them uh, I will be in this Thursday I'll be in uh, I believe next Monday and, uh, and a few more days around the Cardinals games uh, so yes you will be hearing a lot of me during the evenings from 8 until 11. Uh, but uh, as far as doing it on a permanent basis, uh, that's probably not something that I would be capable of doing.
2: Uh Do you do wills or anything else besides just, Tickets or whatever
1: for people? <laughs> you know, I don't. Again, Wills Trusts and Estates is an area. Uh, if you want to call me at my office, I can certainly refer you to somebody. I Again, I don't do that, nor does anyone in my firm. But if you'd like to call my office tomorrow, uh, I don't mind giving that number out, 636 300 Barbara, if you want to call me tomorrow, I can certainly refer you to to a, a person that, uh, that can take care of you. Okay, thank you. You are welcome. Thanks for calling in this evening on camo x hey dan welcome to KMOX. camo x you're next up
0: hey thanks for taking my call nice to hear your voice on the uh, radio tonight. thank you thank hey, you I got a question got a question for you yeah. um uh, you know biden's uh wanting to uh get everybody together and wanting to rebuild all these highways and and buildings and everything throughout the united states right and they're trying to figure out on a way to pay for it uh, he wants to tax the rich and that stuff but why don't we do this Look at the money that Illinois has made by legalizing marijuana over there. Millions. Why don't Biden just legalize marijuana throughout the United States and take them billions of dollars that it's going to make and rebuild his highways and buildings and everything else? I just wanted to know what your thought is on that. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what my thoughts are on that, Dan, and that's as follows. First of all, uh, yes, he could. It would have to be an act of Congress uh, to, to legalize marijuana. In fact, I think there's already some bills that are floating around Washington, D.C. right now to do that very thing. And yes, marijuana, legalized marijuana could be taxed. But here's the interesting wrinkle. This is the, this is the part that gets complicated uh, because of the system that we have as a nation of having federal laws and also state laws. Uh, Just off the top of my head, without researching the issue, I think that the only way uh, that the federal government could tax marijuana is under the Interstate Commerce Clause of the Constitution. And that would mean that any marijuana, if it were legalized nationwide, any marijuana that would go from one state to another could be taxed federally. Uh, if you look at gasoline, that's how there's a federal gas tax is because gasoline goes and gets shipped from where it's produced to where it's processed to where it's ultimately sold. So for marijuana, if that marijuana is grown and shipped and sold uh, and it goes across state lines, then under the, uh, uh, under the commerce clause, interstate commerce clause, yes, the federal government could very well tax uh, recreational and even medical marijuana. Now, the question arises, though, what do you do about homegrown weed? Okay, in other words, if someone decides to plant marijuana in their backyard, what do you do about that? Well, the government couldn't tax that. What do you do about marijuana that's grown, processed and sold in the same state without crossing state lines? I don't think the federal government could tax that either. So you would really have a limitation, I think, from a federal government's perspective of only taxing the marijuana that is grown and processed and shipped across state lines. And if that happens, would there be enough taxation to fund the uh, the infrastructure plan uh, that he's proposed? Now, the Biden infrastructure plan, last time I checked, was over Four billion dollars, I think it was. I could be mistaken on that, but it was four point one billion is the number that comes to mind. Now, with that size, the uh, Mitch McConnell in the Senate has said the Republicans only identified six hundred billion dollars out of that four trillion dollar infrastructure plan that was actually dealing with infrastructure was actually dealing with roads and bridges and trains and things that we think of as infrastructure. The rest of it was basically blue state liberal giveaway money uh, that was under the guise of infrastructure. So since Joe Manchin in the Senate has already said it's a no-go from his perspective, and you'd have to have 60 votes in the Senate for this thing to pass anyway, even if Joe Manchin agreed with it, which I don't think that he does. But even in that circumstance, I just don't think that, uh, that this infrastructure bill is going anywhere. The phrase used to be dead on arrival, and that's clearly what this infrastructure bill is. Now, if they want to propose an actual infrastructure bill, anywhere from $600 billion to maybe $1 trillion, I think you could generate more than enough Republican support to get that passed. But as it stands at $4 trillion, it's just never going to happen. Now, getting back to Dan's question about legalizing marijuana, uh, and in fact, one of the somebody's just texted in on a point that I was going to make: that legalizing marijuana may bring in some money, but ultimately cost society in nearly uh, uh, in quantifiable ways. And and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. When you're looking right now at congressmen and congresswomen in Washington, this bill has been proposed to legalize marijuana nationwide. There's a lot of senators and congress people that are reluctant to do that. And so I think that that is probably not going to happen in the near future on a nationwide basis. What I do see happening is more and more states legalizing marijuana because of the tax revenue. Illinois has done that extremely successfully. Of course, the most successful state at that has been Colorado. They've brought in hundreds of millions of dollars of tax revenue over the last several years. And face it, government just loves money. Okay, it just loves money. It's a money consuming machine. That's what government is. So if you've got a potential avenue for revenue for a government, they're going to look into that. Now, you're going to have a state like Missouri probably never going to legalize marijuana. Just isn't going to happen. Uh, But other states will, and that will give us an opportunity. And that's really what federalism is. That's why I like the idea of federalism. It doesn't bother me in any way that one state legalizes marijuana and another state doesn't, because that's those states' prerogatives. Because your power as a voter is strongest when you vote in regular local elections. and In other words, the further away you are, From the location of that politician who's being elected, the more watered down your vote becomes. And so that's why I am a big fan, a big fan of local control. So if Illinois wants to legalize it and the people of Illinois are in favor of it, fantastic. That's what federalism means, that states have control over certain things and the federal government has control over other things. And if the folks in Missouri, if the politicians in Missouri don't want to legalize it, that's fine. If you are, are that much against it, you can vote those people out of office. So that's government that works, and I'm glad that it's set up that way. But as far as on a national scale, I just really, really don't see that the federal government is going to legalize marijuana anytime soon. What do you think? Should we look at, at legalizing marijuana nationwide in order to tax it and to fund programs uh, to pay for infrastructure or maybe even social programs. What do you think? 314-436-7900. Text or call. In fact, I've already gotten two texts on this just in the uh, few minutes we've been talking. What are your thoughts on that particular issue? And The other issue that we're going to talk about, we're going to be coming up here on a break in a couple of minutes, but the other issue that I want to briefly dive into before the break is this. ABC News came out with a poll this week stating that 28% of Americans believe that the country is more divided under Biden compared to 23% of Americans who believe that the country is more united. But what's interesting is 49% of Americans say there's essentially no change in our divisions in this country after the first 100 days of President Biden. Now, keep in mind, we heard during the entire campaign... And we've certainly heard from the mainstream media every single day that President Biden is less controversial, that he's more of a moderate, that he's a person who's going to bring our country together. Has he done that? In other words, we just finished this 100 days of President Biden. From your perspective, is the country more united now that we dumped President Trump and went with President Biden? Are we more united or are we less united? According to this ABC News poll, 28% of Americans say we're more divided. Only 23% of Americans say we're less divided. So in other words, more people believe we're more divided now than we ever were even under President Trump, which is frankly hard to believe because if you looked at the mainstream media every single day, it was it was out of a 30-minute news cycle, 25 of the 30 minutes was talking about how how evil, rotten, dirty and nasty president trump was and how he's dividing our country and destroying our country and tearing apart our country and yet at least from the abc news poll more americans think we're more divided now than we even than we were under president trump and what's also amazing is that 49% say that there's really not much Difference in terms of how we are divided as a country. I, I can tell you that, that we are certainly divided today, whether it's in the criminal the conviction of Derek Chauvin, whether it's in the marches where we were told were peaceful protests, which I'm 100% in favor of, but yet we're burning down buildings, destroying people's lives, and in the case of Captain Dorn, Captain David Dorn, uh, uh, killing people, killing a man who was protecting the property of a friend. So are we more divided now or less divided after the first 100 days of President Biden? 314-436-7900. Brad Young at your service here on KMOX. We'll be back right after this.
2: Earning St. Louis's trust for 96 years, this is KMOX.
1: Brad young at your service on Camo X here for just a few more minutes this evening hey thanks for staying up late with us tonight we never at Camo X we never take that for granted and earlier in the evening we uh, we got a chance to talk with Ryan wrecker and of course anyone who's listening to camo X right now knows loves and you can't live without him Ryan wrecker and uh and of course he's gone to middays 11 to two. It'll be Ryan and, as you know, Carol Daniel, Bo Matthews, St. Louis talks. So uh, you can listen live. You can certainly go to thekmox.com. You can listen to podcasts. You can get the Odyssey app on your phone or computer. You can listen to it that way. Uh, I listen at home uh, on Alexa. I, I've got an Alexa pod, or Alexa dot rather, that I listen to to X on, and you can listen there. Lots of ways to check out Ryan Wrecker during the midday with Carol Daniel and Bo Matthews. Uh, Also, I talked uh, earlier about uh, tomorrow being Cinco de Mayo, and uh, uh, I'm still going to be trying to figure out where where to go in St. Louis to celebrate this invented holiday uh, for us gringos. Where to go for Cinco de Mayo. Mike, do you got some recommendations on where to go for that? Uh... I like Pueblo Solis on oh. Southampton. Southampton, I believe. Okay, good food, good drinks, all of the above. It's great there, and uh, as we talked about earlier, I'm a big fan of Espinos as well. Yep, family yep. connection. I uh, I go to Espinos a lot, and uh, in fact, they've got a they've got a uh, an appetizer there uh, called fondue something. I lo- I forgot it. I'm I'm drawing a blank, but it's a fantastic appetizer. Uh, and I always get that every time we're there. We, we You know, I probably eat there every other week. That's how often I'm there. But uh, that's also a great place, Espino's in Chesterfield. So we've got a couple of recommendations for you with Cinco de Mayo uh, just around the corner tomorrow. So uh, hopefully you'll uh, patronize your local restaurants. And by the way, speaking of local restaurants, you know that uh, Tashara Jones and— the great Dr. Sam Page in his infinite wisdom has decided to once again allow us to go back uh, to restaurants. Of course, I question his legal authority to keep us out of restaurants over the past year. Uh, And I believe that the state of Missouri uh, hopefully will be passing legislation this very term to put a check and a balance on the county executive's unilateral authority or plenary authority uh, to use the phrase uh, to really just shut down restaurants. And we've seen, if you compare how Florida has gotten through this pandemic, virtually unscathed Uh, and their, their transmission rates are lower than most other States. Their total count per capita is far lower and yet very little closure in the state of Florida. And yet uh, you look at other States like New York and California who were on lockdown, and they had higher transmission rates than other parts of the country. So there's going to be a a lot, a lot, a lot of examination of this data to see whether closing restaurants in this pandemic was a good move or whether it just succeeded in putting good family businesses out of business and making them dependent upon the government. I, I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to this careful examination, and I just hope that it gets a, a fair shake from the media's perspective. I doubt it, but uh, certainly here on CAMOX, we will be giving you the straight scoop. Speaking of restaurants, what's interesting is, and listen, I'm telling you what you already know. You've tried to go to a restaurant, and as restaurants are opening back up, it's difficult. And the main reason it's difficult to go to a restaurant now it's because they just don't have help. There's not a lot of there's not there's not a lot of people working at these restaurants because folks have been laid off. We've had the greatest spike in unemployment during the past year uh, that our country has ever seen, and the unemployment benefits that have been extended to people, rightfully so, uh, have really gotten them through this pandemic. But right now, when we've got a labor shortage. For the folks who are receiving unemployment benefits, in many instances, it's better for them to stay home and to get government benefits than it is to go back to work. And that's not just rhetoric on my part. This very week in the Post Dispatch, and listen, I'm not. It's not like the Post Dispatch is right wing uh, newspaper. Okay, it's not National Review publication. I can assure you, it's not Breitbart and it's not Fox News. It's the the Post-Dispatch. And even in the Post-Dispatch, there was an article uh, that that came out uh, this morning that the Central West End Restaurant Association held a job fair looking to to hire as many people as they could because restaurants are desperate. They're desperate for employees. And you know what? Nobody showed up. The picture in the Post-Dispatch shows this giant ballroom at the Chase Park Plaza, I love the Chase Park Plaza. Giant ballroom, there's two people in it. And the jobs, all you had to do was walk in and have a pulse, and you could get a job. People weren't coming in because it made more money for them to stay home than it did to go back to work. These are some of the issues that we'll be diving in. I'll be back here on X Thursday evening uh, from 8 to 11. We'll get into this and more topics of the day. Brad Young, on at your service, would love to hear from you on Thursday. So tune in, stay tuned to KMOX, and I will see you on Thursday night.